0: Welcome to the Curious Clubhouse podcast. If you're new to this podcast, as always, I'm your host, Jason. And this is a brief informative podcast where I take you on a brief informative journey into a specific subject or topic that has helped shape and influence today's pop culture. This week, we're talking about another iconic movie franchise, that being the Ghostbusters franchise. As always, I'll tell you a bit about what Ghostbusters is I'll tell you a bit about the plot of the first Ghostbusters movie. We'll also talk about some of the origins and inspirations for Ghostbusters. And this week, we have our next Curious Legacy segment, where I'll tell you about a bit about the legacy of Ghostbusters and its impact on pop culture. And finally, we'll end things with some curious and unusual facts about Ghostbusters. So without further ado, let's dive in here and let's get curious. So what is Ghostbusters? Well, Ghostbusters is a 1984 American supernatural comedy film directed and produced by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. It stars Bill Murray, Aykroyd, and Ramis as Peter Venkman, Ray Stantz, and Egan Spangler, three eccentric parapsychologists who start a ghost-catching business in New York City. It also stars Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis, and features Annie Potts, William Atherton, and Ernie Hudson in supporting roles. Ghostbusters was released on June 8, 1984, to critical acclaim and became a cultural phenomenon. It was well-received for its blend of comedy, action, and horror. And Murray's performance was often singled out for praise. It earned $282.2 million during its initial theatrical run, making it the second highest-grossing film of 1984 in the United States and Canada, and the then-highest-grossing comedy ever. It was the number one film in theaters for seven consecutive weeks and one of only four films to gross more than $100 million that year. Further theatrical releases have increased the total gross to around $295.2 million, making it one of the most successful comedy films of the 1980s. In 2015, the Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the National Film Registry. Its theme song, Ghostbusters, by Ray Ray Parker Jr. was also a number one hit. And I have to say, that is just absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Uh, that they had, Congress themselves has selected it for preservation. Uh, but I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. Um, if you've ever seen that original Grossbusters movie, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it is an absolute classic, uh, for sure. It is one of those movies that will stand the test of time uh, no matter what. And as I mentioned previously, or as I will talk about in our Curious Legacy segment, uh, it did so well that it has now spawned a multimedia franchise. How uh, we have several movies, video games, uh, among other things. So, yeah, t- a very, very popular, uh, very stapled classic in today's pop culture, which is why I wanted to do it this week. Uh, I love Ghostbusters, always have. It's a fantastic movie, fantastic franchise. Uh, but that is just a bit about what Ghostbusters is. Uh, Now that we know a bit about what Ghostbusters is, let's now talk about the plot of Ghostbusters. Dive into some curious plot elements here. Uh, I do want to issue a light spoiler warning here. Uh, Not too much here. Just wanted to touch on the plot. I feel like uh, by now most, if not everybody, has probably seen Ghostbusters, but there might be one or two of you out there that haven't watched Ghostbusters yet. If you haven't, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, So this is your spoiler warning. Uh, But getting into this here, uh, after After delving too deep into the mysterious metaphysical realm, three scientists and ambitious supernatural researchers find themselves out of work. As a result, the team comes up with Ghostbusters, a paranormal search-and-destroy service, bent on proving everyone wrong by capturing the Big Apple's rogue spirits. Indeed, a malevolent, interdimensional entity has targeted the bustling, unsuspecting city possessing two seemingly ordinary New Yorkers to do its bidding. In other words, the fearless Ghostbusters are on to something big for the first time in their brief career. However, do they have what it takes to look evil in the eye and confront the ancient shape-shifting demon, Gozar, the Destructor? Uh, So that's just a brief Plot outline of the very first Ghostbusters movie. Obviously, we don't give away too much there. Uh, the point of this podcast is to get you curious. Uh, want, want you to check out that first Ghostbusters movie if you haven't done so. Um, and I do want to mention, uh, you know, in case I don't want to forget, uh, there was a all-female-led version of Ghostbusters. It was an attempt at a reboot, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, so, if you are looking for a place to dive into the Ghostbusters franchise, Uh, check out either this very first Ghostbusters movie from 1984 that we're talking about, or check out that all-female led Ghostbusters film, because they're both fantastic movies. Uh, Absolutely love them. Uh, Chris Hemsworth plays in that female-led version and it's just it's fantastic Uh, both these movies are fantastic Uh, but check them out check them out if you haven't done so Uh, so that's just a bit about the plot of the first Ghostbusters movie without giving too much away now I want to turn our attention to some of the origins and inspirations behind Ghostbusters and tell you a bit about how we got this iconic franchise Uh, Getting into this here, Ghostbusters was inspired by Dan Aykroyd's fascination with and belief in the paranormal, which he inherited from his father, who had written the book A History of Ghosts, his mother, who claimed to have seen ghosts, his grandfather, who experimented with radios to contact the dead, and his great-grandfather, a renowned spiritualist. In 1981, Aykroyd read an article on quantum physics and parapsychology in the Journal of the American Society for Physical Research, which gave him the idea of trapping ghosts. He was also drawn to the idea of modernizing the comedic ghost films of the mid-20th century by comics such as Abbott and Costello, Hold That Ghost!, from 1941, Bob Hope, The Ghost Breakers, from 1940, and The Bowery Boys, Ghost Chasers, in 1951. Aykroyd wrote the script intending to star alongside Eddie Murphy and his close friend and fellow Saturday Night Live alumnus John Belushi, before Belushi's accidental death in March 1982. Aykroyd recalled writing one of Belushi's lines when producer and talent agent Bernie Brillstein called to inform him of Belushi's death. He turned to another formal former SNL clap castmate, Bill Murray, who agreed to join without an explicit agreement, which is how he often worked. Aykroyd pitched his concept to Brillstein as three men who chased ghosts and included a sketch of the Marshmallow Man character, he had imagined. He likened the Ghostbusters to past control workers, saying that calling a Ghostbuster was just like getting rats removed. Ackroyd believed Ivan Reitman was the logical choice to direct based on his successes with films such as Animal House from 1978 and Stripes from 1981. Reitman was aware of the film's outline while Belushi was still a prospective cast member. This version took place in the future with many groups of intergalactic ghostbusters and felt it would have cost something like $200 million to make. Ackroyd's original 70 to 80 page script treatment was more serious in tone and intended to be scary. Reitman met with Ackroyd at Arts Delicatessen in Studio City, Los Angeles, and explained that his concept would be impossible to make. He suggested that setting it entirely on earth would make the extraordinary elements funnier and that focusing on realism from the beginning would make the marshmallow man more believable by the end he also wanted to portray the ghostbusters origins before starting their business this was the beginning of the 1980s everyone was going into business after the meeting they met harold Ramis at burbank studios reitman had worked with Ramis on previous films and believed he could better execute the tone he intended for the script than Aykroyd. He also felt Ramis should play a Ghostbuster. After reading the script, Ramis joined the project immediately. Although the script required considerable changes, Reitman pitched the film to Columbia Pictures executive Frank Price in March 1983. Price found the concept funny, but was unsure of the project, as comedies were seen to have limited probability. He said the film would take a big budget due to its special effects and popular cast. Reitman reportedly said they could work with $25 to $30 million. Varying figures have been cited. Price agreed as long as the film could be released in June by June 1984. Reitman later admitted he made up the figure, basing it on three times the budget of for Stripes, which seemed reasonable. This left 13 months to complete the film with no finished scripts, effects studio or filming start date. Reitman hired his previous collaborators Joe Medjuk and Michael C. Gross as associate producers. Columbia's CEO Faye Vincent sent his lawyer Dick Gallup to Los Angeles to convince Price not to pursue the film, but Price disagreed. Gallup returned to the head office to report that Price was out of Control, as the title Ghostbusters was legally restricted by the 1970s children's show The Ghostbusters, owned by Universal Studios. Several alternative titles were considered, including Ghostbusters, Ghostbreakers, and Ghost Mashers. Price parted ways with Columbia's early in Ghostbusters production and became head of Universal Pictures. At which point, he sold. Ho- columbia the title for five hundred thousand dollars plus one percent of the film's profits giving hollywood's accounting practices a method used by studios to artificially inflate a film's production cost to limit royalty or tax payouts the film technically never made a profit for universal to be owed a payment uh so that is a lot of information i just threw at you there uh but in a nutshell uh that is how we got ghostbusters uh you know it just started out as this very small budget property that didn't really have much going for it at the time um and like like you know like they said due to the film's uh big uh, special effects uh requirements plus its actors it was gonna it was gonna need a big budget and it didn't seem like they really had uh, a big budget you know they had they were starting with twenty-five to thirty million, uh, and that was just an estimate. So it's just crazy to me to think that you know here you have this this basic concept for a movie, uh, a movie no less that almost took place in the future and in space. Uh, I think that would have been really insane and really, really wild. Uh, I mean, could you imagine uh, busting ghosts in space? Also, why would ghosts be in space to begin with? I don't know. Uh, really weird. Uh, but yeah, just just crazy that this movie, this idea that Ickroy had uh, for a uh, team of people to bust ghosts that basically had no budget uh no producers no production team of any kind uh, has now become a staple of today's pop culture and has become a multimedia franchise uh it's just crazy to think about uh it's absolutely mind-boggling uh super glad that it did get released and super glad that we got the version that we did like i said i love ghostbusters It is fantastic. Uh, This franchise is, like I said, it's going to stand the test of time. It has stood the test of time. Uh, I think it's still just as popular today uh, as it was back, uh, you know, in the 1980s. So really, really cool. But yeah, that's just a bit about uh, how the Ghostbusters movie came to be, that first movie specifically, which uh, by extension has launched all of these other Ghostbusters films that we now have today. Uh, So now that we know a bit about what went into the creation of Ghostbusters, now let's talk about the legacy of Ghostbusters. Uh, Let's talk about how the first movie has kind of shaped this incredible franchise uh, that we have today. Uh, so Ghostbusters is considered one of the first blockbusters and is credited with refining the term to effectively create a new genre that makes comedy, science fiction and horror and thrills. Ghostbusters also confirmed the merchandising success of Star Wars in 1977 was not a fluke. A successful, recognizable brand could be used to launch spin-offs, helping establish a business model in the film industry that has since become the status quo. Once Ghostbusters popularity was clear, the studio aggressively cultivated its profile, translating it into merchandising and other media, such as television, extending its profitable lifetime long after the film had left theaters. Uh, that in and of itself is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, if, if it hadn't been for the success of Ghostbusters, you know, we may not even have some of these other iconic franchises that we have today, like Star Wars. Uh, so just to think, think about that. The the impact that Ghostbusters, just Ghostbusters, has had on our pop culture has, has led to movies like Star Wars and other properties that we now have today that we probably wouldn't have if it weren't for Ghostbusters. Uh, so that is just incredible to think about. Uh, Continuing on, entertainment industry observers credit Ghostbusters and Saturday Night Live with reversing the negative perception of New York City in the early 1980s. Weaver said, I think it was a love letter to New York and New Yorkers the doorman saying someone brought a cougar to a party that's so new york when we come down covered with marshmallow and there are these crowds of new yorkers of all types and descriptions cheering for us it was one of the most moving things i can remember it is similarly credited with helping diminish the divide between television and film actors talent agent michael ovitz said that before ghostbusters television actors were only considered for minor roles in film describing ghostbusters enduring popularity reitman said kids are all worried about death and ghost-like things by watching ghostbusters there's a sense that you can control this that you can mitigate it somehow and it doesn't have to be that frightening it became this movie that parents like to bring their kids to they could appreciate it on different levels but still watch it together uh, so that in and of itself is amazing uh you know ghostbusters has uh you know it's touched so many lives you know it's brought so many families together you know again it, it helped uh m- mitigate that negative perception of new york city in 1980s uh so just the, the the you know just that impact alone for one movie is absolutely astounding uh and Bridging onto that, continuing with that, I want to talk a little bit about the cultural influence that Ghostbusters has had. Uh, this is really cool. Ghostbusters was considered a phenomenon and highly influential. The Ghostbusters theme song was a hit, and Halloween of 1984 was dominated by children dressed as the title or protagonist. It had a significant effect on popular culture pun intended, and is credited with the inventing the special effects driven comedy, its basic premise of a particular genre mixed with comedy, and a team combating an otherworldly threat has been replicated with varying degrees of success in films like Men in Black in 1997, Evolution in 20, or 2001, The Watch in 2012, RIPD, Rest in Peace Department in 2013, and Pixels in 2015. In 2015, the United States Library of Congress Congress selected Ghostbusters for for preservation in the National Film Registry, uh, as we touched on at the beginning, finding it culturally historically or aesthetically significant reitman responded it's an honor to know that a movie that begins with a ghost in a library now has a spot on the shelves of the library of congress uh and so that's crazy so again you know, we're, we, we have more, you know, we're looking at this here. If it weren't for Ghostbusters, we wouldn't have iconic franchises like Men in Black, R.I.P.D., Rest in Peace Department, which just got a sequel uh, here recently. Uh, you know, Evolution from 2001, The Watch, uh, just so many movies, Pixels, uh, you know, from 2015. If it weren't for Ghostbusters, we wouldn't have some of these great films that we have today. Uh, and that is just so, so awesome to think about. Uh, In 1984, the Ghostbusters phenomenon was referred to across dozens of advertisements for everything from airlines to dentistry and real estate. The busters suffix became a common term used as both local and national stages being applied to topics like the United States National Budget, Budget Busters, Agriculture, Crop Busters, B-52s, Nuke Busters, sanitation Litterbusters, or pan-american airlines price busters similarly the no ghost logo was modified to protest protest political candidates like ronald reagan and walter modale to, to mickey mouse by striking disney workers other contributions to their cultural lexicon included who you gonna call from parker jr's ghostbusters and murray's ad lib of this chick is toast against gozer to Imply she was finished or doomed over the scripted line of, I'm going to turn this guy into toast. This is thought to be the first historic usage of toast as a slang term. Uh, (laughs) That is absolutely hilarious, in my opinion. I I did not know this. Uh, Again, this is why I love doing this show every week. You know, I I find out (laughs) some interesting things about some really cool properties uh, that, you know, that I love and enjoy. Um, You know, so really, really awesome. Uh, crop busters and nuke busters and budget busters, you know, so just the, the impact on our culture that Ghostbusters has had from the various uh, places of employment for people to the way people talked uh, is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Uh, man, it, Ghostbusters has had such an impact on our world today, for sure. Uh, Continuing on here, Ghostbusters quickly developed a dedicated fan following that has continued to thrive in the years since. Despite its mainstream success, it is considered an example of a cult blockbuster a popular film with its dedicated fan base. It is popular globally, inspiring fan clubs, fan-made films, art, and conventions. Fans dressed as Ghostbusters occasionally burst into the main reading room of the New York Public Library. The 2016 crowd-funded documentary Ghost Heads follows various fans of the series and details the effects it has had on their lives. Interspersed with interviews, From crew, including Aykroyd, Reitman, and Weaver, a separate 2020 documentary, Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters, details the film production memorabilia from the film as popular, with a screen-used proton pack, selling for $169,000 at a 2012 auction in 2017. Or, excuse me, at a 2012 auction. In 2017, a newly discovered ancleosaur fossil was named Zool. Pervert, wow. That, that's a hard word to pronounce. Uh, after Gozer's minion. Uh, so yeah, that's absolutely crazy in and of itself. $169,000, uh, for a on-screen proton pack from Ghostbusters. Uh, that is super, super pricey. Uh, but I get it. Uh, it's a classic piece of memorabilia. Uh, definitely, definitely understand that. Ghostbusters was turned into a special effects-laden stage show at Universal Studios Florida, which ran from 1990 to 1996, based mainly on the final battle with Gozer. The 2019 Halloween Horror Nights event at Universal Studios Hollywood and Universal Studios Florida hosted a haunted maze attraction. Featuring locations, characters, and ghosts from the film. The film has also been homaged or explicitly referred to across a variety of media, including film, television, and video games. Aykroyd reprised his Ghostbuster character for Cameo in Casper in 1995, and the Celebrity Parade at the film's denouncement inspired the ending of the 2012 superhero film the avengers showing the world celebrating the eponymous team's victory uh, so that's crazy i had insane that, that that ghostbusters has anything to do with uh, the 2012 avengers movie but apparently it does uh it's it just goes to speak of the the volumes uh and the impact that ghostbusters continues to have in today's climate in today's future uh, it is such a, an iconic film uh so again if you haven't seen that first ghostbusters movie Please check it out. Uh, You know, it is my hope that if you have not seen the first Ghostbusters movie uh, with Bill Murray, that this episode will incentivize you to do so because it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, So now that we've touched on the legacy of Ghostbusters and its impact on society, let's now talk about our curious franchise segment and talk about some of the other properties and films of the franchise. Uh, getting into this here, the film's success spawned the Ghostbusters franchise, comprising animated television shows, film sequels, and reboot. Ghostbusters was followed by the 1986 animated television series, The Real Ghostbusters. It ran for 140 episodes over seven seasons across six years, and itself spawned a spin off, Slimer centered sub series, comic books, and merchandise. It was followed by a sequel series, 1997's Extreme Ghostbusters. A film sequel, Ghostbusters 2, was released in 1989. Despite breaking box office records and attracting an estimated 2 million more people to its opening than Ghostbusters, the sequel earned less than the original and received a less enthusiastic response. Even so, the popularity of the actors and characters led to discussions of a third film. The concept failed to progress for many years because Murray was reluctant to participate in a 2009 interview, he said. And this is what he said. We did Ghostbusters 2 and it was sort of rather unsatisfying for me because the first one, to me, was the real thing. And the sequel, they'd written a whole different movie than the one initially discussed. So there's never been an interest in a third Ghostbusters because the second one was disappointing for me. Anyway ackroyd pursued a sequel through though to the er, through to the early 2010s ghostbusters a video game was released in 2009 featuring narrative contributions from ramus and ackroyd and voice acting by murray ackroyd ramus hudson potts and atherton set two years after ghostbusters 2 the story follows the ghostbusters training a recruit a recruit, the player you, to combat a ghostly threat released or related to Gozer. The game was well received, earning award nominations for its storytelling. Aykroyd has referred to the game as being essentially the third movie. Ghostbusters: The Return in 2004 was the first in a planned series of sequel novels. Before the publish went, the publisher went out of business. Several Ghostbuster comic books have continued the original group's adventures across the globe and other dimensions following Ramus's death in 2014 Reitman dec- the creative control shared by himself Ramus Ackroyd and Murray was holding the franchise back and negotiated a deal to sell the rights to Columbia he spent two weeks convincing Murray Reitman refused to detail the deal but said the creators would be enriched for the rest of our lives and for the rest of our children's lives he and Ackroyd funded Ghost Corps a production company dedicated to expanding the franchise starting with the 2016 female led reboot Ghostbusters later Later retitled Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Before its release, Ghostbusters was beset by controversies. After its release, it was considered a box office bomb with mixed reviews. A second sequel to the 1984 film Ghostbusters Afterlife, directed by Reitman's son Jason, and released in November of 2021. Uh, so yeah, a uh, lot of stuff there. Uh, you know, it definitely we, you know, they had that planned third sequel, uh, but ultimately decided not to go forward with it because the second one didn't do as well. And it sounds like they didn't uh, even do the original concept for the sequel that they were supposed to. Uh, So I can understand why they chose not to move forward with a sequel uh, with a third movie. But even despite that, you know, we're still getting sequels. And, you know, yes, touching on the all-female-led Ghostbusters Answer the Call movie uh, that bombed I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it it connected those original movies while also simultaneously adding a fresh take to this iconic franchise. And the fact that they were all female made it even better. I thought. Uh, I I don't know. You know. I just I thought it was fantastic. It's still one of my favorite Ghostbusters movies in the series. Uh, I try to watch it often. Uh, it's just a pity that they weren't able to go on and make more movies uh, with those. With that cast, uh, because they did a fantastic job, I thought. Uh, so yeah, if you are looking for a place to start within the Ghostbusters franchise, again, check out this original movie uh, from 1984, and also check out that all-female-led uh, reboot because they're both fantastic. Any of the Ghostbusters movies really are really fantastic, and they've they found ways for them to all connect to each other. Uh, in really nice ways, so yeah, definitely just definitely an iconic franchise all the way around. Uh, television shows, uh, comic books, video games, it is and has become a multi billion dollar uh, multimedia franchise. So, uh, yeah, super popular franchise again, will stand the test of time. Uh, but that's just a bit about uh, the franchise, uh, where it's gone, where it's kind of headed. Uh, I, I, from what I last read, um, there is a new. There is a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife currently in development. Uh, So we are getting a new movie uh, in the franchise as well. Uh, So now that we know about the franchise, its legacy, where it's been, where it's headed, uh, and everything that Ghostbusters has brought to us, uh, now let's end this week's episode with some curious and unusual facts about Ghostbusters. And there's some really cool facts here. I really enjoy some of these. Uh, Curious fact that number one, the hotline was real. Before the Ghostbusters became established in New York City, they released a commercial to advertise their services. The three original members, Peter Bankman, played by Bill Murray, Ray Stantz, Dan Aykroyd, and Egan Spangler, Harold Ramis, appear on television with the number 555-2368. During the film's theatrical release in 1984, Ivan Reitman ran that very same commercial, which allowed people to call in. Callers would hear a pre recorded message from Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, who announced that they were unable to answer as they were busy busting ghosts. The number received a thousand calls every hour, 24 hours a day, for several weeks. Sadly, the line is no longer operational, so if you're being troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night, or you're experiencing feelings of dread in your basement or attic, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Uh, So really cool, yeah, really, really cool that the the number that's advertised uh, in their advertisement in the movie was a real number for a time, and you could call in uh, and get a really cool pre-recorded message about them busting ghosts. Uh, so, really interesting stuff there. Curious fact number two Slimer is also known as Onion Head. I uh, did not know this. Despite becoming one of the most iconic characters in the entire Ghostbusters franchise, Slimer is never actually name dropped in either of the two movies, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 in 1989. However, he was referred to as Onion Head by the crew of the original film the ugly little spud wasn't actually named Slimer until the animated show The Real Ghostbusters in which he's part of the team. It's this that inspired his more friendly cameo in Ghostbusters 2 in which he offers Louis Tully, Rick Moranis, a ride in a town car. That's really, really interesting. Similar, Slimer isn't the only ghost in the original movie who isn't referred to by the name we know now, Gozers, Two Minions, Ben's Clortho, the Keymaster, and Zul slash the Gatekeeper are never referred to as terror dogs, despite the Hellhounds now being synonymous with the uh, name. So that's really cool. I did not know that Slimer's uh, original name and moniker was Onion Head. And I actually have uh, the animated uh, Ghostbusters series and its sequel series extreme ghostbusters i haven't watched all of it it's a lot of content um, but yeah i am in the process of watching and it's pretty good Uh, so i would highly recommend you check out those animated cartoon shows as well uh, because they're pretty decent Curious fact number three here, Eddie Murphy was offered the role of Winston. Uh, we did touch on that a little bit, uh, but expanding that a little bit, we can't quite decide who is more lovable, Winston Zeddemore or Ernie Hudson. Either way, it's pretty frustrating that Winston doesn't appear in the original Ghostbusters for quite some time and also doesn't get quite as much screen time as his co-stars in the sequel either. Winston was supposed to join the team a lot earlier and would have been in the scenes where the Ghost capture slimer earlier versions of the script also included a backstory which detailed his time in the Air Force, something IDW's Ghostbusters comic book series utilizes. Uh, however when eddie Murphy turned down the role of Winston Zettaamore and when the studio consequently wanted to give Bill Murray a bigger role in the film this forced major rewrites in the script which led to the character of Winston being omitted from many scenes uh, and that's a bummer. You know, I love the character of Winston. I think he's a fantastic character. I love his sense of wit. And i am it's, it's also a bummer that Eddie Murphy didn't play him. I personally think that Eddie Murphy would have made a great Winston. Uh, you know, the, the person that plays Winston, you know, he's good. He does a good job. Uh, I just think Eddie Murphy would have been a really cool Winston, in my opinion. Uh, Curious fact number four here, it was supposed to be a futuristic adventure. Uh, We did touch on that a little bit earlier. You know, We talked about the original concept for the first Ghostbusters movie. Originally, it was supposed to take place in space. So again, expanding on that concept a bit here, while the original Ghostbusters can at times feel a little outlandish, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man being one of the most bizarre but brilliant things in the entire film, an early concept for the film was far more out there than you might have realized. In the DVD commentary, it is revealed by Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis that the story was originally set in a futuristic New York City where teams of readily established Ghostbusters would be found all over the world, as well as several huge supernatural entities. Fortunately, this would have set the studio back some $300 million at the time, which is why Ramus was brought on board to make much-needed rewrites. Let's just hope that any future Ghostbusters movies don't borrow elements from that original script. Uh, and to my knowledge, out of all the Ghostbusters movies that have been released, none of them have. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I definitely enjoy the concept that we got. Uh, I don't think that a futuristic version of Ghostbusters would have worked back then. Now, maybe in another 20 to 30 years, um, if, if somebody wants to make a reboot and they want to do a futuristic Ghostbusters, it might work. I don't know. I think the concept, in my personal opinion, have a Ghostbusters set in some kind of futuristic setting has some potential. Uh, I think it could work if it is done in the right way, but again, I don't think anything will ever come close to topping or coming close to that first Ghostbusters movie that we did get, uh, because it is a classic. Uh, Finally, a curious fact number five here, and our final fact of the episode, it's all inspired by a real Ghostbuster. Seeing as it's not April Fool's Day... I'm not going to try to convince you that Ghostbusters or any of the sequels or reboots are inspired by true events, but it is inspired by real-life paranormal investigators, both of whom are directly related to Dan Aykroyd. Ackroyd's great-grandfather was an active believer in the supernatural, while Ackroyd's late father, Peter Ackroyd Sr., also published a book titled A History of Ghosts in 2009. And again, we did touch on this earlier. Even the Ray Stance actor himself is well known for his interest in psychic research and also UFOs. Ackroyd's passion the paranormal is even echoed in the new sequel ghostbusters afterlife as he's revealed to be the only subscriber to the podcast mystical tales of the unknown universe operated by podcast logan kim the latest sequel really is all about passing the torch uh, which is what makes ghostbusters afterlife so great uh, the the latest sequel in the series fantastic absolutely hilarious Uh, it's one of the funniest movies i've seen in a while Uh, so definitely definitely highly recommend you check out any of the ghostbusters movies literally any movie in the franchise in my opinion including ghostbusters 2 even though it wasn't as well received is fantastic Uh, it's a great blend of action comedy horror fantasy you know it kind of has it all Uh, You know, so Ghostbusters movies, fantastic movies. I can't say that enough. Can't stress that enough. It's got something for everybody. And it's perfect to watch with your family, you know, but that's it. You know, that's everything on Ghostbusters, guys. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. As always, I loved doing. I love doing this show. I love doing these episodes. I love researching this stuff because I find out some really interesting stuff that I didn't know about. Uh, And I love Ghostbusters. So I just thought this was a perfect episode to do. Uh, We may do another episode on Ghostbusters sometime down the line because it is such a fantastic series, Uh, you know, and I could go on and on and on. Uh, But that's it guys. Thank you guys so much for listening once again. As always, if you love this show, if you love what I'm doing here, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, That's so important. It is the number one way as of now that you can help me continue to do this show uh, and continue to grow and find new listeners. Also, if you're looking for some more pop culture related content, you can go to our Curious Clubhouse Facebook page, Check out some really neat articles on some other pop culture-related content there. Uh, if you have ideas for future episodes, uh, ideas or criticisms or really anything uh, that you might want to contribute, you can send any of that to the at gmail.com. Uh And if you get some time, if you could, go on over to Apple Podcasts. Write us a quick review about the show, as that also helps us continue to grow and find new listeners. Uh, So once again, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Stay safe out there. I hope everybody has a great Valentine's Day or had a great Valentine's Day as I'm recording this the day after Valentine's Day. Uh, So once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. And as always, stay curious.